Hello, Blackhawks fans, and welcome into a winning edition of the Four Feathers postgame show. I am Johnny Nani. I've got Ron Loose with me tonight. Uh, it's been a week since we've been able to discuss a win, but I can't wait to get into it. Ron, uh, I'm feeling good. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. This was a weird game tonight. You know, obviously, it, early on, it was just brutal to watch. But you know what? The Hawks, they took advantage of mistakes. As you mentioned, they got a W. Uh, they're what now? Three four and three, I want to say, uh, through 10 games. I think, honestly, better than we all anticipated. Um, but nonetheless, Johnny, I am looking forward to discussing a Blackhawks win with you, sir. Yeah, I, I can't wait to break uh, all this down with you. We've got some stuff to set up before this even happens. Um, so we'll get into all that. Before we do, though, make sure you are going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at four feathers pod and at on sportsnet. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go subscribe rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast. So Ron, let's get into this one. Initial thoughts. I need to go with the setup first here uh, before we even get into that though. Um, Blackhawks struck by more COVID cases, uh, potential COVID cases, either way, uh, more guys added to the NHL's COVID protocol list. Uh, just yesterday, Ryan Carpenter and Nick, Bodine now join Lucas Walmark, Alex Jabrinkit, and Adam Boquist on that. Um, obviously, we don't know if there's a bunch of different factors that it can be, you know, exposure to someone that had it, you know, uh, a couple other things, a positive test waiting on a confirmed positive test. We don't know. They don't release those details. But uh, just a joke that I've had since I've called him Slick Nick. Uh, what he gets in two games, now he's Sick Nick. <laughs> I was good. I was actually literally like, as you were explaining that, I was about to be like, oh, our boy Slick Nick, you know, on the on the COVID protocol. But that that's funny. He is <laughs> unfortunately now Sick Nick. And here we are. Yeah. What a what a list, too. Right. I mean, including injuries, too. Like you put Kirby Doc Taves and Seabrook on that list, too. And it's just you would swear this Blackhawks roster would be like, oh, and 10 at this mm-hmm. point when you see that list. But here they are. Three, four and three. Crazy night. But yep. Sick Nick. I like that. I like Sick Nick. <laughs> so I, I, not to disrespect Nick Bodie, because we don't know. He, he could not have it. He could have just been exposed. And obviously there were teammates that had it. But uh, getting into the setup, though, Reese Johnson makes his NHL debut. Matthew Highmore slots back in. I guess, you know, on paper, looks like an Ice Hogs team plus a few veterans. Uh, besides, you know, uh, the kind of young roster that, that was uh, put on the ice tonight, Ron. Uh, but if there's one positive from this, uh, at least going in, because I'm feeling kind of like, oh, man, this one's going to be tough to get through tonight uh but it made Kaladin go back to uh the traditional 12 forwards in 60 which i was very mm-hmm. happy about because tony and i uh, had a long-winded session uh, on friday night uh, about the 11 forward 7d lineup so uh a lot of line blending tonight um you know kershaw steps up center's first line here um uh, Hagel gets a little bit of a promotion playing on the third line with Soderberg and Shaw and uh, Johnson slots in on that fourth line there. Um, so that, that was kind of the setup for this. Uh, it was Elvis Merzlikens uh, starting in goal for Columbus, and that will be very pertinent uh, throughout tonight. So uh, before we get into uh, kind of our period by period breakdown, hit me with your initial thoughts uh, from this game, Ron. Yeah, you know, I think obviously like Kevin Lankinen's probably an easy one, but I know we're going to dive into that at some point. One that I want to call out um, just guys that caught my eye the whole night um, here on my list of, of thoughts is the Red Deer boys, and that's uh, Hagel and Johnson. Uh, Johnson making his NHL debut. Hagel, as you mentioned, getting that little bump to the third line, a little promotion for him. Neither one of them on the score sheet, but I'll tell you what, they were both very noticeable in this game. You know, anytime Hagel was on the ice, I saw number 38 running around. Uh, it was very easy to pick him out. 
two, two assists and a block for him tonight in almost 14 minutes of ice time. And then how about Reese Johnson? Just under 11 minutes of ice time. Uh, unfortunately, takes a penalty, but a shot on goal and seven hits, which led the team tonight. You love to see it out of a guy that, you know, in juniors, um, you know, I remember doing uh, a lot of research and, and watching him when he signed, obviously him and Hagel up there in Red Deer. You know, he was kind of that lead guy, a scorer, very similar to a Brandon Hagel at that time. You know, they were big scorers, overage guys. You know, he's a center, but, you know, he took a wing roll tonight and just another kid that you see, he says, hey, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to the NHL. Both of them really. And, you know, they've, they've just turned into energy players. And, you know, it's nice seeing that the Hawks have those kind of guys, because even when you're, you know, your top nine looks the way it does right now. At some point in the future, you're going to need those type of guys on your third and fourth lines to help you win championships. And it's nice knowing the Hawks have a lot of guys that even if they're majority, you know, they were scorers in their yester youth or whatever. Now they are willing to reinvent themselves and do whatever it takes to win tonight. So for me, it was the Red Deer boys. Brandon Hagel, Reese Johnson both really stood out to me tonight. I, I like both of those observations, Ryan. Absolutely. I mean, you can't not notice Reese Johnson when he's throwing seven hits, and a lot of those came early, too. He was making his presence known, uh, getting in on the four check. So it was good to see in his debut a little fearlessness in his game. Like to see that. Um, another one, uh, I know you were probably going to bring this up at some point, but Mitchell plays almost 16 minutes. 15.56 is what he clocks in on the ice time here. Um, Excellent to see uh, after games of him being around the 10, you know, b- below that uh, when they had the 70 and then they were kind of just, you know, uh, dividing time uh, b- between some of those guys. So uh, good to see some trust uh, getting behind, you know, Jeremy Colladin, uh maybe potentially uh, giving a tryout period to Mitchell for the JC Trust Circle. Um, my other thought is Suter Sundays, baby. P- Pia Suter loves scoring on Sundays. All four of his goals this season have come. Obviously, the hat trick a week ago against Detroit. Uh, today, he gets another one. Uh, we'll get into how he scored that one. Uh, Kaner ends the four-game goal drought. You knew it couldn't last that long for Showtime, so uh, I was happy to see that. And uh, thanks, Elvis. Uh, the title of this episode is uh, Elvis is All Shook Up because Elvis Merzlikens uh, had a few bad uh, puck plays here that uh, resulted in Blackhawks goals. Like I said, we'll get into all that. My final initial thought here, though, uh, kind of long-winded, but... Um, I know we're mainly Hawks-focused here. If I'm a fan of the Columbus Blue Jackets, I'm very concerned right now. You put up inferior efforts against a wounded and rebuilding Blackhawks team. Didn't deserve to win on Friday night. Uh, Maybe a little bit more so tonight. They had a little bit more jump. But, hey, at the end of the day, if you want to be competitive and get a spot in the Central Division, because as soon as these other teams that have been off to COVID, um, they're going to come back uh, w- with a uh, you know surge in the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, teams like the Carolina Hurricanes getting back in the swing of things. Um, you know, it, it's I would be concerned if I was a Columbus fan. That's just where I'll leave yeah. it there. Yeah. Let's get into how uh, this whole thing uh, uh, went down. Uh, in the first period, uh, first notable uh, thing here was Lucas Carlson takes a puck just above the knee, uh, blocking a Gabrikov shot. Uh, he labored back into the bench, uh, tried to test it out on a next shift, uh, was laboring once again. Uh, so he went down to the locker room, but he would return and later in that third period. So probably just a stinger, got him above the knee pads, but uh, it could have been another potential injury. Um, and, you know, the I, I saw someone on Twitter, the irony of playing 7D in the games of four and then in, in early in the first period of this one, uh, potential, you know, D going down. But luckily that wasn't Naturally. the case. He, he did come back, 
granted, he didn't play a whole lot, but uh, they still have that option. And, you know, he's out there with Keith every once in a while. Uh, you'll see him in there. So, uh, like I mentioned, Reese Johnson uh, throwing the body early. That was definitely a big takeaway from early on in this first period. Uh, there was more jump from Columbus to start. I told Tony on Friday night that a John Tortorella team uh, will respond. Um, and they, they did early. They had a little bit more, you know, uh, jump to their game. I believe they had the better yeah, possession period. Um in the first, uh, so it was kind of expected, though. Um, but either way, uh, d- despite all of that, and Columbus coming out uh, with jump, uh, Blackhawks turned defense into offense for their first goal. Uh, it was a nice job of uh, protecting the house, uh, as I, you know, uh, talking point for me, I love to say. But they did that. Uh, they did that well, used team defense to exit the zone. Yan uh, Mark leads the breakout, and he's got Kane trailing him. Uh, hands it over to Kane, and his shot kind of deflects off, um, but luckily Kirsch is right there uh, in, in the right place. He buries that one home, makes it 1-0 Hawks, Kane, Yanny on the assist. So uh, always nice when defense leads to offense, Ron. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the epitome of all sports, right? You know, defense wins you championships. You know, defense is your best offense, et cetera, et cetera. Um, sometimes offense is your best defense. It depends. But nonetheless, uh, just like you said, great to see. Um, you know, a defensive play that executes well in the Hawks' favor for once, turns around, uh, and, you know, great play between Jan Mark, uh, the wizard that is Patrick Kane, hence the beautiful black jersey for him tonight. Um, those that are not obviously able to see Johnny and I right now, I'm wearing my black Patrick Kane jersey right now. But, um, you know, and then nice for, for Kurashev, you know, uh, promotion to the first line tonight. He's the first line center tonight, uh, swapping spots with uh, Pia Suter. And him and Suter both, you know, responded really well in this game and and a, a nice goal for the kid uh, tonight to, you know, get things going for the Blackhawks. This one uh, would not stay uh, Blackhawks lead for all that long uh, because about five-ish minutes later, um, Jackets put together a nice rush uh, and you got to give credit to Boone Jenner. Uh, he outworked uh, all of the Blackhawks defense, unfortunately. Uh, our guy, Calvin DeHaan, is the one who gets burned here if you're looking at one. Um, but, you know, overall, he plays pretty solid defense and uh, he, he could have committed a penalty there, uh, take the chance away, but he didn't. And uh, Jenner's able to break in. Uh, he you know, kind of chipped the puck out to a teammate. I forgot who had the initial shot then, uh, but Jenner swoops right back into the play, uh, puts it home for a 1-1 tie here. So as I mentioned, uh, Columbus leading 11-7 in shots uh, after the first scoring chances are tied at six, high danger chances tied at two uh, in the five-on-five play there. So, um, you know, like I said, better jump from Columbus to start uh, expected, but uh, I'm glad that the Hawks got on the board early here uh, in this one because that, you know, talk about the ever-important first goal um you know i know columbus tied it up not too long after but hey it, it sets a mentality uh for the team and uh it makes you not chase the game so uh moving Absolutely. on into the into the middle frame um soderberg draws a uh penalty uh Wierinski held him at uh the 50 second mark here um and ron one of my takeaways uh from this is you know they didn't score on this but man they, they recorded five shots on this power play and keith just firing away had at least three shot attempts he finished the night with six shots on goal when you have a team that is depleted by injuries and absences right now, um, I like a veteran taking that uh, ownership and saying, hey, we're just going to generate it. Someone get to the front of the net uh, and try for a rebound here. Uh, so I, I like the mentality from Keith. Yeah, great. And especially, too, I, I think a lot of people forget how good Duncan Keith has been throughout his career offensively, right? I mean, he's always been known as this Iron Man and the top D man and whatever, but you know, you look over the course of his career, there's a reason he has two Norris trophies and a, and a um, Conn Smythe on his resume. It's because even though he's a defenseman, he can he can score and he's not afraid to take shots. 
uh, especially without Boakvist too, right? A guy that, you know, you early on in the season wanted to see on the number one power play. They've been doing that, but um, unfortunately he's on the COVID list as well as his uh, actual roommate. They live together in the city of Chicago, Alex DeBrinkett. Um, So Duncan Keith, yeah, six shots on net. He's, you know, he's trying to fire him home. And it's nice to see, like you said, veteran leadership stepping up in, in situations like this when the roster is very depleted and, uh, you know, trying to get some offense going, especially when it's a deadlock after, you know, one period. Yep, for sure. Um, after this one, uh, the like I said, that uh, power play goes uh, fruitless. Uh, no, no scoring there. But um, the second period, there was no scoring in here. Uh, Camp had a little nice sequence. Uh, he made a nice breakup in front of his own net. Uh, had a high slot shot that was denied by Merzlikens after that. Um, Kane had a stuff attempt denied. Uh, but that's just uh, showing the chemistry that him and Deanne Mark are, are developing, which is interesting, you know, kind of uh, passing to each other behind the net there. Um, I just thought that was something notable. Uh, when there's you know goal, no goals in here, uh, Jones cross-checking penalty on Shaw at 12:30. Shaw um, had a good chance right right out in front of the net, low slot shot, um, but denied there. Uh, so that was another power play that went by the wayside. Um, and then after this, uh, I'll let you elaborate. But uh, Mitchell jumping up into the play, sure it leads to a rush chance for the Blue Jackets, but uh, you, you take into the consideration that 15:56 ice time tonight, uh, gaining a little more trust, uh, and he had you know a chance on Friday night that unfortunately ended up in his uh, own net at the other end. But you got to feel like Ian Mitchell is going to be involved in some scoring here soon. Yeah, I think it's going to come. And and I, again, I credit JC for allowing him to play. Like, just let the kid play, let the kid learn, because there was no preseason. Obviously, with the shortened season, you know, the AHL year is all messed up. I think if it's a normal season, let's be honest, I think Mitchell's probably down in the A. Um, or maybe they gave him that 10 game tryout and then he immediately goes down, you know, works for a while down there and maybe comes back up. But in a year that is crazy. And, you know, a lot of these guys I'm sure can, can attest to that. It's nice to see them just letting him play, let him learn, let him learn on the job. Yeah. It's, it's probably going to cost you some goals at times, but Hey, you give the kid 16 minutes of ice time. You know, he, he's jumping into the play. He looks good when he jumps into the play, too. Like, we've seen it now for a couple of games where there's those moments where, like, you see it coming. It's like, oh, okay, there's that flash. There's what the that front office is freaking out about right now because they have this kid on their roster. And so I think the, the offense will come. I th- really think in the second half of this 56-game season, you're really going to see Ian Mitchell take off offensively. I think just because he's going to get a little more comfortable, he's going to be a little more aware of his defensive positioning. And I think just in general, he's going to feel so much better as, you know, just a confident defenseman in the NHL that number 51 is going to be starting to score. And we're going to be like, is this Brian Campbell reincarnated? I mean, (laughs) Soupy Soupy used to put up a lot of points, right? No, it's going to be Ian Mitchell. And I think it's going to come, you know, and it really it kind of feels a lot like Kubelik last year, right? Like you saw the flashes early. It took about 20 games for it to happen. But then once he was really cemented and started putting, you know, good games together, then you started to see that offense come. And I really think that's going to happen with Ian Mitchell as well. Well put, Ron. I would agree with you. And you just see it because there's plenty of offensive prowess uh, at Denver. Maybe not, um, you know, levels of uh, Kale McCarr uh, going absolutely bananas offensively. No, he's just a freak. But, hey, uh, the season's about development, and uh, you can see it before your eyes, which is nice here. Uh, Obviously reflected in the ice time and reflected in the comfortability uh, 
in his play uh, that you just watch uh, by the eye test. So um, yeah. back to the second period um, as this thing's winding down. Kubelik takes a slashing penalty at 1830. Um, so that put the Hawks on the kill for the last uh, minute and a half of the middle frame and to start the uh, third period. But um, before, you know, obviously that carries over into the intermission. The Blackhawks were eventually able to kill this thing off. Um, but I said, uh, you know, you have a period like the second period. And granted, they had two power plays to bolster this, but uh, they had a really good possession period. Period, uh, in the second you felt like it was one that um, one should have gone in I said I put it out from four feathers account and I said it's going to come back and bite him in the ass I guarantee it well maybe I just needed to uh, talk it talk about it um, air it out so they would spite me um, and have it not bite them in the ass and that's what happened uh, with a little help uh, from the Columbus netminder so moving in uh, to the third period like I mentioned that penalty was killed off the start um, Kevin Lankin coming up big uh, early on, uh, early in this third period. Uh, Lankin, something that I don't think we've seen too much of, Ron Oakcheck. Uh, um, and then Jenner sent his shot wide, but I, I like to see that from Calm, Cool, Collected Kevin. How about you? Yes, Calm, Cool, Collected Kevin. Just uh, a funny thing I would like to share. Uh, my first point that I wrote down in my takeaway notes for this episode tonight was who loves orange soda? Kev loves orange soda just because I was so happy with Kevin Lankin and that it was just giving me these nostalgia thoughts. And I was just like, this is great. And, you know, like you said, I mean, Lankin and played a really good game tonight. I loved that poke check because let's be honest. He's 25 years old. Sure. He's an older quote unquote rookie, right? Most goalies are goalies take a, probably the longest of any player in the, in the NHL to develop. And, you know, to see him really just take this thing and run with it. Right. I mean, he struggled a little bit in the a we we've talked about it at length, right? He was an AHL all-star, but then really faltered in the second half and whatnot gave the net up to Delia. A lot of people started to really question what he was. Now he's coming out and, you know, I think he's got that right mindset. You know, obviously he had a great world championships with Finland when they won gold, um, not too long ago, I believe what that was 2019. So it was May, June ish of 2019 that happened. You know, he, he's getting that pedigree now, I think, with teams that like, oh, this kid's legit. And, you know, um, Scott Powers wrote a nice article about him and Jonas Corposello working out together in the offseason and, you know, two countrymen and things like that. Kevin Lankinen is really cementing himself right now as a number one goaltender. And little play, it's the little things. It's the little plays like that. Smart enough to go to the poke check and be confident enough to go to the poke check there. That tells me that he's ready to be a number one goaltender because a true rookie goaltender, in my opinion, does not go to the poke check there. They freeze. They're not sure what to do, and they maybe get scored on in that situation. Instead, he says, oh, I got a guy bearing down on me, essentially one-on-0. No problem. I see what he's going for. I'm going to poke check his ass, and we're going to keep things moving. That's exactly what he did. And again, I will go back to my tweet that I said this evening. Kevin and Lincoln makes me smile, and that was, I believe, after that play that I tweeted that. So was very happy to see that because like I said, that just to me screams that he is really taking this number one role and running with it. And that's exactly what one of these three goalies coming into the season needed to do. And cool, calm, collective Kevin is doing exactly that. I can confirm to the listeners that Ron has been smiling for a great portion of this episode. Um, yes. Generally a cheery guy, but you know, Kevin Lankinen makes him smile. You're making me smile right now too. Uh, 32 saves on 33 shots. Good for a 970 save percentage tonight. Mm -hmm. uh, excellent for Mr. Lankinen once again. And you talk about you put into perspective all the great stuff on the ice, obviously. But for me, also, it's part mentality. Um, I'm jumping ahead here, but in his post-game interview, he gets the on-bench 
uh, interview with NBC Sports Chicago, and it's about the team game. It's about, hey, we're, you know, uh, facing adversity, but we're battling through it and, you know, doing the little things that we need to to win a game and, uh, you know, giving credit to his forwards for back checking because they did do, like I said, much better job of taking care of the house, um, protecting the house, uh, so to say. Um you know, clearing out uh, second chance opportunities. Um, not too many of those uh, rebounds uh, were getting through uh, on, back on Lankanen for a second attempt. So uh, good, good to see overall. And like I said, uh, the mentality there for uh, Lankanen too. He, he wants to be a number one goaltender. Uh, he's playing like one and he's carrying himself like one. So um, let's move on to how the Blackhawks uh, got in uh, the lead and eventually won this game here. So uh, like I said, Elvis is all shook up. Merzlikens um, was in that, um, comes out in third period, um, kind of uh, makes a little bit of a mishandle behind the net, uh, throws it to the corner. But as he's getting back, uh, Pia Suter realizes that he's not completely hugged uh, to the post. So he throws one at him from below the goal line. Uh, this one goes in, banks in. Uh, my comment here, Ron, banks open on Sundays for Pia Suter on hashtag Suter Sundays. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. I mean, what a guy that loves to loves a score on the uh, the old Sabbath day. You know what I mean? But you know, good for him. It's just a really smart play, too. Like, I, literally, that was exactly what I wrote in my notes, was smart suitor. Because, you know, again, older guy, played overseas, just like Kubalik did, led that league in scoring over there in SM Liga, and did a really nice job, just a really heads-up play, saying, hey, the goalie's out of the net. I'm just going to throw it on net and pray to God something good happens. Like Eddie O always says, good things happen when the puck goes on net. Exactly what happens there for P.S. Suter. He gets his fourth goal of the season, which actually leads all rookies in the NHL right now. Fun fact. So uh, really good to see out of P.S. Suter tonight. You know, he took the demotion in stride, too. I think he's better off long term on the wing, just personally. Um, so I enjoyed seeing him and Kershev swap a little bit. I think that kind of balances the uh, the top six out nicely, too, given you know what this roster looks like right now. But um, great play by Suter. And again, just like you said, they, they get the lead. You know, Elvis left his crease. Elvis has left the building, whatever you want to call it. But wait, it's <laughs> another thing. Bad teams usually are bad because they don't take advantage of other teams' mistakes. Good on the Hawks tonight taking advantage of it. Elvis Merz Lincoln's mistake and putting it in the back of the net. You know, I really like that last point uh, that you made. And, uh, you know, bad teams don't uh, capitalize on the other team's mistakes. Uh, it's always, always nice. You got to get any competitive advantage you can get. Um, beautiful play. Uh, by a suitor, very smart play uh, for a, a rookie in this situation. So uh, I said this goal is unassisted, but um, I'd like to give an honorary one. Uh, the four feathers assist will give it to Elvis Merzlikens uh, on this one. So um, not long after that, Soderberg had a great chance um, out in front of the net. Um, this guy's not the flashiest player in the world. We all know that. Um, he's kind of like a you know penalty kill guy, uh, plays in your bottom six. Uh, that's, you know, he signed one year deal, veteran guy. What's he like 34, 35 years old? Um, but man, he's been getting some looks. He had the one that slid through the pads and just wide of the post on Friday night. Uh, it's only a matter of time before Soderbergh scores is my point there. I think it will happen. Um, so other than that, uh, we talk about Nikita Zadora being both good and bad. Okay, good. Yeah, sure. You lay seven hits tonight, but uh, stripped uh, down the stretch of this one and uh, very well uh, could have been a uh, goal for uh, Texier here. Uh, but luckily, you know, Lankin and uh, calm, cool, collected Kevin coming up big on the breakaway. So you know, that's the Nikita Zadora story, though. I uh, got a fun edit in the works with our guy uh, Schwartzy over at um, on tap Sportsnet, Ron. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it kind of like the Jekyll and Hyde uh, of Nikita. Nikita Zadorov. So uh, be on the lookout <laughs> for that from uh, the uh, Four Feathers pod uh, Twitter and Instagram accounts. So um, 
Let's move on. Third goal here. Uh, puck rings around um, Rizlikens. This was an even worse uh, play attempt because uh, there, there was support on either side of the net for the Blackhawks. And, uh, you know, guys were coming down and streaking out in front as well. Um, so he kind of, you know, fumbles it, then loses the stick as he's trying to get back. Uh, that goes out to Kane uh, in the low right circle, even like below the circle. Um, but, you know, like I said, Kane, uh, that four-game uh, goalless drought wasn't going to last too long, and this is where it ended uh, right here. Kurashev picks up an assist on this one, and my only other note was LOL Merzlikens. <laughs> yeah, I uh, after this play, I actually tweeted. I said, I don't think Merz Lincolns is going to leave the net the rest of the night. And I was like, what do you guys think? And everybody's and one one of our uh, one person responded. They were like, ah, he probably will. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right, but he probably shouldn't. But nonetheless, um, yeah, just a bad mistake. But you know what? Again, good on Philip Kershev, a guy that I really want to highlight. I'm I'm going to expand on this when we you know get to our kind of takeaways from tonight's game, but. Good on him getting behind the net, taking advantage of a situation, seeing a wide-open Patrick Kane, one of the best hockey players in the entire world. He's going to go down as the greatest United States-born player to ever play in the NHL. I don't care what anybody says. I like Jack Eichel. I like Austin Matthews. But at the end of the day, other than Mike Medano and maybe Jeremy Roenick, to me, Patrick Kane is the trailblazer of USA hockey. And he just, he pots at home. And like you said, that, that goalless drought wasn't going to last long. Let's be honest. He's got 10 points now in 10 games as he should, even on a bad team. He's Patrick Kane, um, but good on him, you know, putting the, put the puck in. And again, usually bad teams don't take advantage of those type of mistakes. The Hawks took advantage of it twice tonight. And that was ultimately the difference. So good on the Hawks uh, getting two big third period goals and sneaking out of here with a, a three, one win after a brilliant performance from uh, our boy, Kevin Lincoln. As we were on this out, um, Jackets had one last chance to get back into this thing. Uh, Shaw commits a hooking penalty at the 15-51 marker. Um, Lankinen makes a nice save on a slot shot early. Uh, Hagel comes up with a big block. Uh, he was limping, uh, limping a little bit after that, but uh, hey, that's selling the body in crunch time there, so nice to see from Mr. Hagel. Uh, and my last bullet point in here, Ron, it's been a week since I've been able to say it, so I will belt it out emphatically. Hawks win, baby! Absolutely. It's it's such a good it's like honestly, it's just it's like when you sit down after a long hard day's work to a nice home cooked meal. Like it always just makes it feel better and it just it's it tastes so much better. That's doing a black a black ox four feathers post game show when they win. Like it just it just it's so much sweeter. Like obviously we love being on here and talking hockey every night after a black ox game, but when they win especially given what this team looks like right now on the roster, a lot of unknowns and question marks. It's just so sweet when they, when they can beat a team that really is a very deep team in Columbus. Like to me, they're one of the deepest teams in the NHL. They can roll four lines. The, the Pierre Luke Dubois trade that just got them line a and Roslovic who Roslovic got on the score sheet tonight. Like, that is going to help them. I think even more so than Pierre Luke Dubois did. Cause I think down the middle, they're pretty stout. So again, Hawks getting away with a win. Hawks win, baby. Always feels good. I know you enjoyed tweeting that out from the Four Feathers account tonight. It's been a week, and I agree with you, Johnny. Hopefully it's uh, less than a week as they uh, they got two games now against the Carolina Hurricanes coming up this week. Let's let's get another W. Let's, let's talk about more wins on Four Feathers because winning hockey is cool and tough. 100% run. Yeah, well, let's not wait a week uh, for us to be able to uh, – Proclaim that um, once again here. So observations outside of uh, the ones we really touched on uh, throughout the game uh, rundown. Um, go ahead and hit me with them. 
Yeah, uh, I've got just a couple quick ones. Um, a quote that Pat Foley said in the post game that I think is worth reiterating uh, when Lankinen was introduced as the number one star of tonight's game because of his brilliant performance. He said, it's a shame that the young man, him being Lankinen, couldn't hear that, that first, you know, first star of the game, in, you know, kind of announcement uh, without 20,000 fans here. So let's get fans back in the building because – I hope Kevin Lankinen gets to have one of those performances in front of 20,000 fans because the fans are going to lose their shit. I know I will. I will be absolutely losing my mind for number 32. Um, another quick thing, I know we harped on it. Kurashev looking really good. Like This kid is just really starting to step up. He, he's not afraid of contact. He goes into the dirty areas. He's got the skill enough to provide scoring two points tonight, obviously a goal and an assist. Finds a you know Patrick Kane on that, you know, terrible mistake by our boy Elvis um you know and then early in the game is has the presence of mind to tip that puck home because I think Kane wanted to shoot that puck uh on that first goal and it was going to go just wide and good on Kurashev to know that hey I'm just going to get a stick on it just in case and he did and that was ultimately difference between us going oh shit so close and hey Blackhawks goal so you know good on number 23 I hope Philip Philip Kurashev really finds a, a place on this roster going forward even when this team is hopefully competing in the next couple seasons um but my number one takeaway Johnny and there's a big reason I have a number 88 jersey on tonight is because Patrick Kane is still worth the price of admission um there was a sequence late in the game where he passed a puck across ice to Philip Kurashev for a shot on net that literally avoided four Columbus sticks. And I and Eddie O literally went, what a pass from Patrick Kane, and fully agreed. And I went, yeah, holy shit, I can't believe that puck made it through. That is Patrick Kane. He is a once-in-a-generation type player. If you have not watched number 88 enough, just watch Blackhawk games for him. Fuck, even if they're going to be bad. Like, Patrick Kane is worth the price of admission. He is a Hall of Fame hockey player. He's going to go down as arguably the greatest if not the greatest american-born player ever number 88 is special the blackhawks are lucky to have him the blackhawks are lucky that he wants to be a blackhawk still even with the state of this franchise right now but god damn it number 88 is just such a treat to watch and him alone is enough for me to tune into games when they're going to be this bad he had a couple great passes tonight a couple good shot looks like he is just he stands out above every other player on the ice, night in and night out. I don't care if the Hawks win or lose. Patrick Kane is making a difference in that game somehow, some way. And it's just an absolute treat to watch. And I know Tony will love that. I know Comiskey will love that. I know all the Four Feathers guys, Austin will love that. But Patrick Kane is just special. And the day that man retires, I am going to cry tears of joy because I got to watch him play in a Blackhawks uniform. But at the same time, I'm going to know there is never going to be another Patrick Kane in a show of a Blackhawks uniform because he is a true once in a lifetime player. Savor it while it lasts. Um, enjoy Absolutely. it while he's here. That, that's that's my takeaway from uh, your takeaway there. Um, mine it was something that I touched on briefly uh, as we were going through for my final observations. Much better job, uh, forward support coming down and helping clear the house, protect the house. Um, that that was just uh, you know. It's multiple instances and it's teamwork all up and down throughout the lineup. Like I said, David Kampf coming back and, you know, getting a stick on some shots. So that's, you know, just one last save that Lankin has to make. The little plays like that add up. So your goalie's not seeing. Remember what we saw last year, Leonard and all them having to make 43 
friggin' 48 saves on some nights when you're playing a team like the Leafs. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, th- th- that little stuff really makes a difference. Uh, those are my takeaways, and uh, we can move into what's on tap next, and that will be Blackhawks remaining at home. Uh, homestand continues against the Carolina Hurricanes Tuesday, February 2nd, 7 p.m. Central Time, NBC Sports Chicago on that. Canes are hot right now, Ron. 5-1-0 record. Uh, They had a 4-3 shootout victory tonight uh, to help sweep their weekend series against the Dallas Stars, who had had a hot start to the year themselves. Um, So Carolina playing good hockey, a very talented team. Vincent Trocek is lighting the world on fire right now. Going to be a tough test uh, for sure. Yeah, Carolina's arguably one of the deepest teams in the NHL. I mean, if there's one team that can roll four lines and three D-pair, it's definitely Carolina. Um, it, I think it's going to be a good test for the Hawks, even if they lose. I think it's just going to give a good kind of benchmark of where this team really is right now. Because I think, you know, just as the common fan, obviously, you know, you and I knew it, the Four Feathers gang knew it. This is going to be a tough year for Blackhawks hockey going into it. But there are a lot of silver linings night in and night out. Like this 3-4-3 and Hawks team has been a, a I don't want to call them impressive 3-4-3 and Hawks team, but like, they're doing some good things, and it's nice to see that there, there is development there, right? The young guys are doing good things. Philip Kershev, I think, has been a huge bright spot. I think Ian Mitchell is growing into that bright spot. Suter has been a bright spot. Um, I think it's really nice seeing Brandon Hagel, you know, stand out. I think it's great seeing Reese Johnson have the type of debut he had tonight. So, like, there are a lot of good things happening to this Blackhawks team right now, and I think the real key is just don't try and do too much. Like this Carolina team is very good. They probably will be in the playoffs. Like they should be. If they're not, it's their own fault type deal because they have the talent. I mean, that's probably, like I said, one of the deepest rosters in the NHL. But, you know, it's a good test for this young Hawks team. I think they really, you know, I think the Tampa series and even the Florida series, Florida is what, 5-0-1 right now? I think they're top in the uh, quote-unquote central division right now. But those first four games, like, there was no preseason. To me, those first four games were the preseason. So now they've played some games. I think Columbus was a better team than Detroit. So, you know, them splitting it, I think, is is good. Um, I'm very intrigued, really, to see how this Blackhawks team responds against, uh, again, a very deep and talented Carolina Hurricanes team. You know, guys like Andre Svechnikov. I don't know if Tubo's going to play. I know he's been out. Um, but like you said, Trocek's lighting the world on fire. Sebastian Ajo is incredibly talented. Uh, the list goes on and on of guys that we can name on this Carolina Hurricanes roster. But I'll tell you what, if the Hawks, if they can sneak one out of these two games against Carolina, God forbid they sneak both, I would lose my mind. Um, I think that's just good for the development of this young team. You know, if, if they can find those victories and play hard fought games against really good teams and win them. I think that's only going to benefit these young guys, you know, one, two, three, four years down the road from now. Benchmark's a good word there. Uh, def- definitely will be because, you know, early in the season, uh, teams are still figuring themselves out. Um, the Blackhawks, obviously, no exception to that uh, sentiment right there. Um, but, you know, maybe a Columbus team finds their groove a little bit down the uh, line in the schedule. Um, so you get them uh, a little bit earlier before that happens. And then uh, you, you just don't really know exactly uh, what the level of play is. You know, what would their lineup look like and how would the scoring be affected if Patrick Line is in, you know, mm-hmm. um, that, all that kind of stuff. Uh, maybe later in the season they go. 
Corpus Allo back to back instead of uh, letting Bruce Leakins get a game tonight. So, um, you know, just uh, other things that go in there. But I bring this up because uh, Peter Mrazek got injured for the Carolina Hurricanes in the first game of that Dallas series. So um, it was it looked really bad at the time, but they did say it was not as bad as it looked on the ice. But there is no timetable for his return. So uh, it'll pretty much be James Reimer in both these games, at least I would expect, Ron. Yeah, I think that makes a big difference, too. I really think Mrazek is the better of the two goalies as well. Um, I know Steve Dangle should be watching these two games. And for anybody that knows who Steve Dangle is, you'll understand that reference because James Reimer is his guy. Um, but, it, again, a good test. I mean, again, their defense is so good that, it, I, to me, it really doesn't matter who they have in goal. Um, but, again, if you want to make strides as a young, rebuilding hockey team, you take it to this team when they have their inferior goaltender in net. And you hopefully can, you know, at least keep it close. Make it a competitive hockey game. Take it to overtime. Screw it. Get a point. I wouldn't be mad if this Hawks team is 17, you know, 17. I think that lines up, right? 17 plus. Yeah, 17, 17. And then whatever the difference is for the rest of the year in overtime losses, because at least it shows the compete level and they're getting the game to that, you know, that fourth period or that fifth, if you count a shootout, because you're going to, battle these good teams and take advantage. This is the season where you can suck, but have those more, you know, the morale wins throughout the year because teams are a little depleted because of COVID. Hell, the Hawks are depleted because of COVID. Take it to the Carolina Hurricanes. They've had some time off because of COVID themselves. You know, it doesn't matter who's in that. I don't, you know, fuck it. Take it to Reimer. Let's, uh, let's, let's see the Hawks pot five, six goals again. I want to see a Detroit level type scoring game. I, I hate these, you know, one, goal Hawks get, you know, games from them just because it's, it's, you know, that there's the talent there that they can do more. Even with such a arguably brutal roster, I, I still think this Hawks team can still easily put up five or six um, on any given night. So, you know, hopefully they can take advantage of Reimer being in there. Maybe especially that second night, he's a little tired going back to back. He's not used to it. He's been a backup now for quite a few seasons. You know, maybe the Hawks can really, you know, take advantage of that and, and do some damage against a very good Carolina Hurricanes team. Okay, Ron, now that we've said all that, um, let's get our stick-to-click predictions out for Tuesday night. Yeah, Johnny, I'm, I'm excited about this one. I put a little bit of thought into this one as we've uh, rolled through the episode here, and I'll tell you what, give me number 23 because I think he's going to be that first-line center again. I want Philip Kershev to get back on the score sheet. Two points tonight, looked really good. Um, outside of Andrew Shaw, who was 100% in the dot, Kershev was the best guy in the dot with 60% tonight, playing 14 minutes of ice time. I am looking for him to continue to do well playing alongside Patrick Kane and Matthias Janmark. So give me number 23, the youngster, as my stick to click. I like that pick a lot. Um, you know, never bad to go with the hot hand, especially after a two-point night uh, here uh, this evening. So I'm going to go with a guy that I mentioned earlier briefly um, as we were running this thing down period by period, and that is Carl Soderberg. Um, I feel like I go off the wall uh, with picks a lot, but he's just gotten close. He had the doorstep chance tonight. Uh, he had one that almost went and just slid through. He beat five-hole, but it just went wide of the post um, on Friday night. Um, I feel like he is a guy that's just overlooked by defenses a little bit, um, and his Length allows him to reach maybe a few extra passes uh, or, you know, pucks that bounce off of defenders uh, that he could possibly pot home for a rebound. So I'll go with him. Uh, either goal assist. Uh, hey, plays a lot of shorthanded time, too. So you never know. I think we've had a shorthanded goal yet this year. So maybe maybe that could be an option, too. But we shall see. I got one last point here um, before we, we wrap this thing up for good, Ron. And I'm thoroughly disappointed that Lucas Walmark will not be able to play against his former team this week. Yes. 
Very, very much agree. Um, it just, it felt like it was a sweetheart setup too. Like he was going to have like eight, no, not eight points. That's a little dramatic, but maybe, you know, two points in the two games or whatever. Like he was going to do some stuff. I, I really do think that when he does come back, we could see him on a wing. I know he was struggling a little bit at center, but hey, in the five games he did play, he had three assists. I mean, the guy was contributing offensively. I think it's worth giving him a look, even if it is on the wing. You know, I think he's a perfect wing player because he's a guy that, God forbid, your center gets thrown out of the dot, you can come in and take a face off. So, you know, I agree with you. It's it's very upsetting, but the the beauty of the season is is we'll see the Carolina Hurricanes another what six times after these two games. Um, so hopefully he gets another look and, and can take it to his old team and hopefully take it to the Panthers too, which is a, another team that he spent a little bit of time with as well before he, signing here in Chicago. So I agree though, we'll miss 71, um, out on the ice on Tuesday against the Hurricanes. That, that was just my final thought. Um, I hope, you know, all those guys that are on the COVID list, not just Walmart, uh, you know, can get back soon. And hopefully it wasn't a, uh, you know, like I said, we won't know, but the uh, positive tests, if it was, hopefully they're doing all right, uh, not hitting them too hard. Um, we've seen that in other sports or guys, you know, uh, White Sox, south side of town. Um, Yohan Mankata really, really suffered from it all, all season when he had it beforehand. So uh, hopefully that's not the case for any of those guys because, uh, you know, we, we want them to bring it bounce back season to get back on track uh you need more development from boquist clearly and uh you know a guy like walmart see if you can uh you know whether that be a trade ship or someone that you want to keep around uh got to be on the ice to evaluate that so um and then of course my guy ryan carpenter and uh slick nick bodine so uh think about all them i hope they can get back soon so that does it for this one um this was a blackhawks three to one winner uh over the columbus blue jackets here on the final day of january in 2021 ron it was a blast talking with you um um, once again, uh, make sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fourfeatherspod and at ontapsportsnet. Go subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it. So, Ron, let's send this thing out with three magic words. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks, baby.